This is Sarah Weymouth, and welcome to my podcast, where we talk about everything for you to live your best life. And we have a little fun too, from talking about business, marriage, parenthood, money, health, home decor, friendship, beauty, and pop culture. I'm a mother to three, a wife, a successful business owner, and I want to live my highest, best self. Follow along as we learn together, grow, teach, because you only get to live one life. Oh, and I promise to dig deeper and to ask the tough questions. This is The Line Podcast. Hi, guys. I'm so excited to chit-chat. I actually randomly had some free time and I was like, oh my gosh, we're jumping on. We're going to do a quick podcast because I've been wanting to do, I guess we could call this pop culture. It's so funny because I feel like I actually don't know much about pop culture anymore because I'm, I don't know, I'm getting older. I'm busy. Some of these young people, I don't even know who's who. There's, there's people that are like quote unquote famous from like TikTok and YouTube and like none of that interests me. (laughs) I feel like I'm, I don't know. I've got maybe a broader look, an older look into pop culture. I suspect that most of my listeners are in my age group anyways. So this is perfect. Okay. So we want, I want to talk about, there's been this ongoing interest and debate and conversation around drinking alcohol, obviously. I find it actually a really fascinating conversation because our generation really did grow up. And by our generation, I'm saying millennials, but I also think the generation before us, maybe even the generation before that, like I think a lot of it was around partying, drinking, I mean, it was like cool to go to the club and get a table with bottle service and getting blacked out was considered cool. Drinking multiple nights a week was considered cool. We had the whole like Paris Hilton, Lindsay Lohan party era. There was also, remember MTV would do like the spring break stuff? And it would just be like people just getting wasted and like performers on the beach. And they would do a lot of their shows from spring break that week. Like it was like a whole thing. And I think reality TV also added to that flame, right? I mean, we started to get the housewives that were getting wasted and acting like fools on camera or the, you know, real world, or whatever. Like, you name it in reality TV, and alcohol was a part of the equation, and still is. But we're starting to see a shift. The Real Housewives of New York, their new cast, they did like a whole revamp, and they got rid of all of the old cast and brought in all of this new blood, and about half of the cast doesn't drink. And it was like the first time that you're watching The Housewives and you're like, wow, half the people are not drinking. I don't think we saw anyone get like super wasted. I mean, maybe a little bit, but it was very tame in that aspect compared to what we're used to seeing. And there's been a lot of talk of 
Gen Z being anti-alcohol. Like just they don't think it's cool. They're not getting wasted, which is amazing, right? It's like cool. I But I also think at the same time, we are seeing more of an um, stress around not doing drugs because drugs have gotten so hardcore now where it's laced with things, there's fentanyl and people are, you know, touching something and dying, let alone taking it and dying. So I do think that this generation isn't touching drugs either. I could be wrong because my kids are too young for that phase and I'm maybe too old (laughs) to like really know what's going on. But from just like talking to that age group and kind of the vibe I'm getting, I feel like their drug of choice is social media. Like it's not about like, let me get high or let me get drunk. It's about how hot am I going to look on social media? How cool am I? Who am I with? They're kind of getting that kick of endorphins off of the likes, the comments, the posting, the making the videos, the hoping to go viral, that whole thing. So it's really actually like a very interesting and complex topic. But then like, like let's take it a step further, <laughs> which I think is incredibly interesting. This Gen Z generation is also very much on medication. They are... They understand the word depression, anxiety. They are seeing therapists. I think it's safe to say that they are more so on anti-depression and anxiety drugs than, say, my generation. My, ge- I mean, literally, you guys, when I had my youngest... And I ended up going to see someone because I felt like I was going a little crazy. And she said, you don't have postpartum depression, but you have anxiety and extreme sleep deprivation. That was the first time I had even thought about the word and the definition behind anxiety. And I was 30 years old. But today with this Gen Z, it's like, they have been inundated with the word anxiety and depression forever. It's all over social media. People are more open to talk about it. It's very normalized. I also feel like people throw around the word without understanding it. You know, what what is anxiety? What is depression? I think majority of people can't even describe it properly, let alone diagnose themselves. And and as we know, our medical system is garbage. So I think, unfortunately, doctors are more prone to say, yeah, you got depression, you've got anxiety, you've got issues. Here, take a pill. And, uh, you know, this is kind of like facts at this point. We know our medical system is garbage. We know that we are highly medicated in this country, in America in particular. 
and we can see it in our Gen Zs. So what that means is if they are highly medicated and not just in depression medication or anxiety medication, ADHD, like all this other stuff too, a lot of this medication you can't take and drink alcohol. So it is interesting to think that maybe a part of the shift away from alcohol is because they're on prescription drugs on such high levels where our generation, I mean, the only thing we were on was probably birth control, which I'm not an advocate of. I wish I never took. I think it completely screws up the woman's body. But that was it. We were on, that was it. That was like the one thing that we all took that was like very normalized back then for the most part. Now, obviously, there were people that were on medication drugs also back then. So don't come after me and say, I was on this drug. You're wrong. But it wasn't everybody. It wasn't at such a level as it is today. So that's interesting. But going back to our generation, the millennials and you know even um, the generation above us, is that Gen Y, X, whatever that one is, they... We are also looking at our drinking and you could say a part of that is there's more, you know, people are taking more prescription drugs or having more addiction issues for sure. I mean, I definitely think we all know at least one person that has an issue with alcohol, but I think more so it's just the facts. We know that alcohol now, we know it's poison. It's not doing anything good for our body. There was a a moment in time where they were like, oh, one glass of red wine a day is good for you, good heart health or whatever. And it's like, that has been completely debunked. That study came out and was paid for by the alcohol industry. So, I mean, it's all scams, right? If you really dig deep, it's all scams. We know now that wine, beer, everything is bad for you. It's poison. Now, I will say that if you get an organic wine that doesn't have the additives and the extra sugar and all that, okay, that's way better for you than the typical wine that everyone's drinking. Yes. Um, you know, having a little bit of vodka, but you know, like a shot of vodka is obviously going to be healthier than having like a sugary dr- cocktail, right? Like Yes, there are ways to be healthier and have a drink, but overall, alcohol is not good for us. Like we don't need alcohol to be healthy and it literally does the opposite, right? And also it's changing how we act. It's affecting us, obviously. You get tipsy, then you get drunk, then you say something you don't mean to say or you're acting silly or you wake up hungover and you are just a shell of yourself because you're just trying to deal with this and then it gets you to eat worse. It gets you to just, you're moody. It affects your hormones. Like it is a thing, right? And I think our generation is starting to get to the point where we're like, what's the point, you know? And I find it in particularly interesting because I... I partied, I had fun, I would go out and drink with my friends every night. And then as soon as I settled down and was serious with my husband, I was done with all of that. 
when we were getting ready to get married, I went into like a full blown like bridal boot camp. Like I'm going to be in the best shape of my life, which by the way, I was. I actually got too skinny. That's like a whole nother topic. But that made, I cut out alcohol, right? I mean, you're not going to drink and then try to be in the best shape of your life. And then as soon as we got married, a few months later, we were pregnant. I was pregnant, I should say. And obviously wasn't going to drink. And then the baby comes and then I was nursing. And then I had, you know, my, my kids are, um, my little ones are two under the age of two. So I went from basically nursing to pregnant, nursing, to, right? It's like, so anyways, my drinking, even at this point, is very minimal. I've never, ever liked drinking alone at home. So I think I know people that do like to drink alone at home. They like to have that one glass of wine or two glasses of wine to unwind and relax. I think I've never, I've never been like that. Like that's never been... I, for me, what do I do instead if I am being unhealthy and I want to relax and unwind? It's like eat a bunch of junk food and watch TV. That is my quote unquote drug of choice. And that's not healthy either, but that's what I use to decompress and relax. And I'm, I've definitely learned that that's obviously like not the answer. Then you wake up feeling gross and you're all bloated and it messes up your digestive system and you're eating extra calories and you're eating processed foods and you're eating sugar you don't need and whatever, right? Like we know, we know, we know the answers to this. But it's interesting that there's a lot of people in my generation where their choice in this arena is alcohol. And now they're going, well, this isn't doing anything good for me. It's aging me faster than I need to age. It's making me feel like crap. It's making me gain weight. It's making me unhealthy. I feel foggy in the morning. And there's kind of this discussion of like, why are we drinking? It's not cool. It's not doing me anything. Okay, maybe it relaxes me for a little bit in the evening, but then it's messing up my sleep. I'm waking up feeling like crap. You know, I could be doing something better for myself with that time. So I do think overall this discussion of alcohol is quite interesting. So I'm curious to see where this goes. I definitely think that as we get away from alcohol and drugs, we're going to start to see people addicted to social media. And I bet you in the next few years, people will be going to facilities to get help with their addiction with social media, you know? And, and it really is like, it's wild. Like if you think about it, if, if I say to you, are you addicted to social media? And you go, no. Or, or what if I even just say devices, right? Like you looking at things on YouTube, um, just being on your phone or being on your computer and you say no. And I say, okay, then don't go on social media or YouTube or whatever for one week. Everyone instantly goes, that's a long time, you know? And you've heard of people go like, I went on a social media detox and it's like, why do we need a detox off of this? right? You need a detox because you're addicted. You detox off of coffee because you're addicted to the caffeine. So when you're detoxing off of social media, it's because you're addicted to it. 
So I, I personally, like I have to be on social media because of my business, but I do think it's an interesting thing. Like, okay, what if I only went on social media for my business and did nothing else on there? Right? I don't know. I, it's interesting. The whole thing to me is very interesting. We we're as a society, we seem to be big on replacing one thing with another. I mean, probably the generation before us, it was cigarettes. You know, who knows what it was before that? It probably was alcohol. <laughs> but yeah, um, I'm I'm good with drinking casually at a party, a date night, an event, a wedding. You know, I'm at the Warriors game, have a beer. Like, I'm I'm cool with that. I think that that's great. But yeah, sitting at home alone or with my husband drinking, that does never interest me. And even more so now because I know more about how bad the alcohol is. So yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see where this generation takes us and where kind of millennials are taking themselves. I also want to add that I do think that there is a severe addiction to caffeine that shows up with coffee in particular, but also with soda. I think our generation drank a lot of soda. And I think we got, we weaned ourselves off the soda and put ourselves on coffee. And that's why our generation has such a emphasis on Starbucks and, you know, these cute coffee houses and hanging out at the coffee house and we have to have our coffee and, you know, all these like, remember back in the day when it would be like Instagram photos of someone's coffee cup and that was like the thing? It's it's wild to me, but I get it because I was addicted to soda all like probably the end of high school through college. I loved my Pepsi and Coke, loved it, loved it. And after graduation, me and my boyfriend at the time, remember that movie 40 Days, 40 Nights with Josh Hartnett? I was like, oh, I want to do this, but I want to do it with soda. So we both did it for 40 days, 40 nights, no soda. And it was so hard. I like dreamed of it. I thought about my first sip of soda. And then after the 40 days, I had one sip. I went back to drinking soda, but it was more limited. But I had one sip and it tasted like I was drinking sugar water. Like it was weird. So I do think part of the addiction also is the sugar for sure. But I just remember thinking like, Ugh, it just tastes like I'm drinking pounds of sugar. But I think what was drawing me back to the soda was the actual caffeine aspect of it. Because I don't really have a sweet tooth. I have more of a sour tooth. And I it was kind of like, Ugh, about the sugar part. So I thought that was really eye-opening. And um, I've since stopped drinking soda completely. And um, I never drank coffee. And I think part of the reason was instead of drinking coffee, I was doing soda all those years. And then when I came off the soda, I was too scared to do the coffee because everyone around me was so addicted and obsessed. And I didn't realize the connection with the caffeine until much later. So I do think another thing we're seeing with our generation and probably the next generation is this caffeine addiction. So we've basically replaced some stuff with other stuff, which I, I mean, I think that's natural, right? But yeah, it'll be interesting to see 
what happens. I think also, if you think about it, alcohol had a status before. It was like people that were wealthy and people that were smart and would dress well. It's like you you associate that with a glass of champagne or, you know, having a, you know, good expensive drink in a nice glass with a big, you know, um, ice cube in it. And that, that whole, like, you would think about like, someone going into someone's office, a nice office of a CEO and being offered a glass of whiskey or gin, right? Or whatever. And now I feel like it's changing. Now we're like, eh, not so much. It's not, it's not the status it once was. So interesting, interesting topic. Interesting, very interesting. But I thought, I thought the most interesting part was the connection of Gen Z being on more prescription drugs and not even being able to drink alcohol. So I thought that was, wow. Uh, Other thing I want to talk about, Victoria's Secret. If you go back, I did a pop culture episode and talked about Victoria's Secret's marketing and how literally stupid they are. And I was right. I was right. I'm so excited to be updating you guys on all of this. So if you missed it, Victoria's Secret was a powerhouse, not just as a business, but as a marketing branding entity. My background is marketing and I am obsessed with this kind of stuff. I also worked at Victoria's Secrets all through college. And then at the end of college, I did a market research internship. And one of the clients I worked on for was Victoria's Secrets. So I'm very highly interested in this topic. And the reason that they were such a powerhouse was they had the bombshell Victoria's Secret supermodel angels. They did the runway shows. They had these, you know, models come on and they kept them on. It wasn't like you did like one ad and you were gone, like traditional marketing. These girls were doing the catalogs. They were doing the store images. They were doing commercials, the runway. They were the face of Victoria's Secrets. That was part of their genius is they took high-level modeling and brought it to their store where typically catalog modeling and runway modeling don't ever touch each other. So they really redefined how we looked at models and made these women complete superstars. But everything about what they did was about fantasy and beauty and, you know, feeling sexy and they're a lingerie brand. So it was smart. And then they brought in makeup and then they brought in lotion and then they brought in, you know, hair products and then they brought in the pink line. So they were capturing the younger generation early on, smart. Everything they did was so smart, so smart. I could talk about that forever. But then fast forward to recently, they have been getting rid of their bombshell models, their angels. They got rid of their runway shows. They started bringing in plus size obese models. They were bringing in women that look like men. They, they, they were bringing all sorts of craziness. Like it was wild to see, especially for me because I was so inundated in that Victoria's Secret culture to then see them not just go a different direction, but literally go the complete opposite of what they were was so weird. I mean, I would walk into Victoria's Secret and be like, 
what is happening? It's like the twilight zone. And quite frankly, they destroyed their business. They went bankrupt in, I think it's 2019, if I remember correctly. They, you know, no one talks about Victoria's Secret. No one really shops there that much anymore. I think people walk in and out. If you, Victoria's Secret back then was like the creme de la creme. You would walk in and there'd be like a bunch of employees. All the employees were hot. They would have really beautiful displays. Everything was perfectly manicured. I mean, we would make sure that the bras were perfect in every single drawer you would open. Like it was a whole system. You walk into Victoria's Secret right now, it's a disaster. They barely have anything in stock. Things are dirty. Things are messy. They've got like one employee. You're like, what is happening? Like it is a whole different vibe. And from what I said in that episode, if you go back, they completely ruined their business. They are done. And on top of that, you've got Kim Kardashian with Skims who completely is taking your mojo. She brought back the OG Victoria's Secret models and put them in her campaign like Heidi Klum and Tyra Banks and all of them. Genius. Absolutely genius marketing from Kim Kardashian. She also brought back like the Baywatch girls and is just really good at keeping things like iconic and sexy and interesting and current and, you know, also throwback and all of that. So really Kim and Skims is taking some of the smart marketing that Victoria's Secret established and doing it herself. Now, I'm not saying that Kim doesn't have overweight models because she does, but she does it in a very minimal way. If you actually analyze what she's doing, she's doing it to be quote unquote politically correct and to kind of feed this like silly narrative, but she's not really doing it. Her major campaigns that you and I are looking at, it's like the Victoria's Secret models. It is superstars that she brings on with sick bodies. Like that's what she's highlighting. Just keeping it real. Now, Victoria's Secret has now recently gone, oh, we're going back to the hot models. Whoops. And now they're they're saying they're bringing back the bombshells. They're bringing back the Victoria's Secret angels. They're also trying to say, oh, no, we're going to be all inclusive and we're going to have obese models still. But I call bullshit. You know you messed up. You're bringing back what worked. You're bringing back the fantasy and the sexy and the beauty. And then also their recent newest ad and campaign was Mariah Carey. Mariah Carey looking stunning in Victoria's Secret lingerie in their ad that just came out. So they're taking a script off of Kim and going, well, who can we bring that's iconic and legendary and smoking hot? And there you go. So now we're off to the races. Now we're going to see Victoria's Secret try to rebrand and regroup themselves and Skims try to hold on to what they have. And it's going to be battle of the two. And it's going to be interesting. Interesting. I find it interesting. I find a lot of what we're talking about. I think I've said interesting 500 times, but um, I love this kind of stuff. I love this kind of stuff. This is where marketing gets interesting. It's going to be branding and marketing 
through and through. So let's see what happens. But I was right. 